Hey there, I wanted to welcome all the mothers a very, 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 very special Mother's Day to all current mothers, expecting mothers, even mothers who have lost um, a precious baby or child. I just want to honor you today and know that in my heart, you are special. Mothers are so special and so um, underappreciated and under-honored. And so I just want to honor you for all the times that you haven't been honored, for all the times that you should have been honored, for all of the unseen things that you do that make life possible for so many young children, for so many young um, individuals, even children that you nourish and, and cultivate spiritually. I honor you today. God bless you. Welcome to day eight of our spiritual journey into seeking purpose. Today's title is Plan for God's Pleasure. Our scriptures are Revelation 4.11. You created everything and it's for your pleasure that they exist and were created. created. Psalms 1.49 and 4. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. You were planned for God's pleasure. The moment you were born into the world, God was there as an unseen witness smiling at your birth. He wanted you alive, and your arrival gave him great pleasure. God did not need to create you, but he chose to create you for his own enjoyment. You exist for his benefit, his glory, his purpose, and his delight. Bringing enjoyment to God, living for his pleasure, is the first purpose of your life. When you fully understand this truth, you will never again have a problem with feeling insignificant. It proves your worth. If you are that important to God and he considered you valuable enough to keep you with him for eternity, what greater significance could you have? You are a child of God and you bring pleasure to God like nothing else he has ever created. The Bible says because of his love, God had already decided that through Christ Jesus, he would make us his children. This was his pleasure and his purpose. One of the greatest gifts God has given you is the ability to enjoy pleasure. He wired you with five senses and emotions so you can experience it. He wants you to enjoy life, not just endure it. The reason you are able to enjoy pleasure is that God made you in his image. We often forget that God has emotions too. He feels things very deeply. The Bible tells us that God grieves, great God grieves, gets jealous and angry, and feels compassion, pity, sorrow, and sympathy, as well as happiness, gladness, and satisfaction. God loves, he delights, gets pleasure, rejoices, enjoys, and even laughs. Bringing pleasure to God is called worship. The Bible says the Lord is pleased only with those who worship him and trust his love. Anything you do that brings pleasure to God is an act of worship. Like a diamond, worship is uh, multifaceted. It would take volumes to cover all, all there is to understand about worship. But we will look at the primary aspect of worship in this section. Arthropologists have noted, worship is universal, urge, hardwired by God into the very fiber of our beings, an inbuilt need to connect with God. 
Worship is a natural is as natural as eating or breathing. If we fail to worship God, we also find a substitute, even if it ends up being ourselves. The reason God made us with this desire is that he desires worshipers. Jesus said the Father seeks worshipers. Depending on your religious background, you may need to expand your understanding of worship. You may think of church services with singing, praying, and listening to a sermon. Or you may think of ceremonies, candles, and communion. Or you may think of healing miracles and acoustic experiences. Worship can include these elements, but worship is far more than these expressions. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is far more than music. For many people, worship is just a synonym for music. They say, at our church, we have the worship first, and then the teaching. This is a big misunderstanding. Every part of the church service is an act of worship. Praying, scripture, reading, singing, confession, silence, being still, listening to a sermon, taking notes, giving an offering, baptism, communion, signing a commitment card, and even greeting other worshipers. Actually, worship predates music. Adam worshipped in the Garden of Eden, but music isn't mentioned until Genesis 4 and 21, with the birth of Jubal. If worship were just music, then all who are non-musical could never worship. Worship is far more than music. Even worse, worship is often misused to refer to a particular style of music. First we sing a hymn, then a praise, and a worship song. Or, I like the fast praise song, but enjoy the slow worship songs the most. In this usage, if a song is fast or loud or uses brass instruments, it's considered praise. If a song is fast or loud and uses brass instruments, once again, it's considered praise. But if it is a slow and quiet and intimate, maybe unaccompanied by guitar, that's worship. This is a common misuse of the term worship. Worship has nothing to do with the style of music or speed of a song. God loved all kinds of music, but he invited it all. Fast, slow, loud, soft, old, and new. You probably don't like it at all, but God does. If it is offered to God in spirit and truth, it is an act of worship. Christians often disagree over the style of music used in worship, passionately defending their preferred style as the most biblical or God-honoring. But there is no biblical style. There is no musical notes in the Bible. We don't even have the instruments they use in Bible times. Frankly, the music style you like best says more about you, your background and personality, than it does about God's. One ethnic group group's music can sound like noise to another, but God likes variety and enjoys them all. There is no such thing as Christian music. There is only Christian lyrics. It is the words that make a song sacred, not the tunes. There are no spiritual tunes. If I played a song for you without the words, you'd have no way of knowing if it were a Christian song. Worship is not for your benefit. As a pastor, I received notes that say I love the worship today. I got a lot out of it. This is another misconception about worship. It isn't for our benefit. We worship for God's benefit. It isn't for our benefit. We worship to bring him pleasure. When we worship, our goal 
is to bring pleasure to God, not ourselves. If you have ever said, I don't get anything out of worship today, or I didn't get anything out of worship today, you worshiped for the wrong reason. Worship isn't for you, it's for God. Of course, most worship services also include elements of fellowship, edification, and evangelism, and there are benefits to worship, but we don't worship to please ourselves. Our motive is to bring glory and pleasure to our Creator. In Isaiah 29, God complains about worship that is half-hearted and hypocritical. The people were offering good, stale prayers, incense praise, empty words, and man-made rituals without even thinking about the meaning. God's heart is not to touch. God's heart is not touched by tradition and worship, but by passion and commitment. The Bible says, "These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men." Worship is not part of your life, it is your life. Worship is not just for church services. We are told worship is continually and habitually to praise him from sunrise to sunset. In the Bible, people praise God at work, at home, in battle, in jail, and even in bed. Praise should be the first activity when you open your eyes by the morning and the last activity when you close your eyes at the night. David said, I will thank the Lord at all times. My mouth will always praise him. Every activity can be transformed into an act of worship when you do it for the praise, glory, and pleasure of God. The Bible says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Martin Luther King said, a diary maid can milk cows to the glory of God. I'm sorry, a dairy maid can milk cows to the glory of God. How is it possible to do everything to the glory of God? By doing everything as if you were doing it for Jesus and by carrying on a continual conversation with him while you do it. The Bible says whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. This is the secret to a lifestyle of worship doing everything as if you were doing it for Jesus. The message paraphrase says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Work becomes worship when you dedicate it to God and perform it with an awareness of his presence. When I first fell in love with my wife, or in my case, my husband, I thought of him constantly while eating breakfast, driving to school, attending class, waiting in line at the market, pumping gas, I could not stop thinking about this amazing man. I often talked to myself about him and thought about all the things I loved about him. This helped me feel close to Eric, even though we lived several hundred miles apart and attended different uh, functions, different life occasions, but constantly thinking of him. I was abiding in his love. This is what real worship is about, falling in love with Jesus. Hey there, that was so good and so perfect for Mother's Day. Just praising God, even in Mother's Day, praising God for 
giving us the opportunity to give life and to nurture and to love and honor the very things that he's given us, we give that back to him. So thinking about our purpose, point of ponder, I was planned for God's pleasure. Our verse to remember is Psalms 149 and 4, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Question to consider, what common task could I start doing if I were doing it directly for Jesus? I hope you guys enjoyed this chapter. Until tomorrow, take care now. And once again, happy Mother's Day. Bye-bye.